I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast here on your free Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast. I'm David Hoff from the Mullion Haw Show, Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune, covering the Bears and getting just done with the first rookie minicamp, Dan. Ten drafted rookies, a host of undrafted free agents, other guys on tryouts of getting stories that they will tell the rest of their lives probably for that weekend. They were wearing the big helmet with the C on the side. What was uh, overall the right way to view what happened at Hallis Hall over the weekend and you know, I guess we'll talk about on this podcast moving forward kind of what stood out and and what uh, certain guys showed in their first glimpse as a Chicago Bear. Yeah, we got a pair of 62 player practices to watch in a, a early May weekend out in Lake Forest. You know as well as I do that there's probably 12 to 13 of those guys who ultimately matter in the big picture uh, for the Chicago Bears. But I think uh, th- there's two things that I kind of um, – think about as the weekend comes to a close. Number one, it's the start of a very important phase for a team that's had so much roster turnover, right? And this is the infusion of new talent that came through the draft that we got to see this weekend on the practice fields at Hallis Hall. Next week, 
Tuesday, OTAs begin. And so we'll blend the rookies with the veterans and we'll get our first look at what this team looks like when they're all together on the field. And we're going to be familiarizing ourselves with new jersey numbers, new faces, new talent, and seeing how everybody fits. But I think when it relates to the rookies, David, you, it, it's a, a good opportunity to just lay eyes on these guys and see what it looks like. For me, obviously, you're looking at Darnell Wright first. You know, you find the 58 jersey, you see what 6'5", 335 looks like in person. You see the combination of size, strength, agility, all the things that the Bears raved about. And you go, yeah, that guy looks like a, you know, seven to eight year starting offensive tackle in the NFL. And you feel good about that. You take a look at how fast Tyler Scott runs and you go, okay, it wasn't just a myth. That track speed is real. You take little, little inventory glimpses at things like that. And then at the end of the weekend, you realize that it's early May and you really just kind of have to keep everything in perspective as we try to figure out that the road that this team is on. I know it's a really simple, dumb question, but it's kind of one of the things that serves the purpose of these camps is, did anybody look out of shape? Did anybody <laughs> look terribly winded going through? And, and, and I know the answer is probably no, these guys stay in shape. But I do think sometimes when you get somebody in front of you and you see them you know, going through the drill, you've learned a couple of things that are all intangibles. I think all this weekend was about was intangibles. Is this a front of the line guy during drills? Is this a guy that's going to view practice as you know a necessary evil or or the opportunity to get better? Did, did did any of those practice traits or habits emerge as something that would be significant? Nothing notable, but it is worth bringing up because I do remember uh, I may have been, I think it was rookie camp when Eddie Goldman was a, a rookie. It was either a rookie camp or or the first OTAs, but I'm pretty sure it was rookie camp where he had to leave the first practice early. He was dehydrated and wasn't uh, feeling well and had to leave. And you go, okay, not the greatest first impression. Obviously, Eddie overcame that and became a, a key piece in a defense that was the best in the league the last time that they were a championship team in this city. But nothing nothing jumped out on that end. I think, you know, the other part of it for us um, in the media is it's a chance to talk to a lot of people. So you talk to all the draft picks. You talk to the coordinators for the first time since the Bears made all these moves across the depth chart. You talk to the position coaches for the first time. You get Matt Eberflus again. And so you start to get a little bit uh, better handling on the visions that these coaches have um, for things coming together with their particular unit, how they're going to come together with the, with this team. And you understand, uh, you know, David, in my opinion, the Bears have, have put a lot of chips on the table of traits. You know, we talked last week, big, long, fast, and now they want to take a coaching staff that they believe in and take a lot of guys with traits and turn them into something maybe more than they've ever been. It's going to be a pretty big challenge, and it's something that will obviously chronicle every step of the way. And just communicating uh, via text or otherwise with, with a couple of football people who were actually there this weekend, again, which we were talking about is bearing, you got to keep that in mind. It's, don't overreact. But a couple of things uh, I wanted to at least mention. Number one, how fluid Darnell Wright looked for how big of a man that he is. And somebody who's, whether he's 330 or 340 or 325, maybe depends on what time of day he's weighed. But he did look like somebody who is going to be scheme specific and fluid enough to do the kinds of things in this zone blocking scheme you want him to do. And it really was impressive for a big guy to be that uh, athletic. The other thing I thought was interesting was um, it was pointed out to me just how fit, uh, the, the, the stature of Tyreek Stevenson at, at yeah. cornerback, the guy who you know you see on tape and he looks really good, but you wonder about sometimes the things you see on tape. But in person, he kind of looked the part as an NFL cornerback, like that's the beauty of these rookie minicamps from sometimes the purpose is seeing exactly what you've got when you draft them. And, and Tyreek Stevenson, you could have seen uh, easily, not easily, but kind of being a day one starter 
weak one yeah. starter on the outside as Kyler Gordon moves inside. And the last thing is I, I bring this up for amusement, and I think it was for my own benefit because the person knew what I was kind of looking for. Uh, Tyson Bates <laughs> uh, threw the ball pretty well um, for a small school quarterback. Looked like a guy that that at least had some skills and it was easy to understand how he would succeed at Division II level. Not necessarily makes him an NFL quarterback, but looks like a guy who could at least earn a living holding a clipboard or learning a system and and did not look overwhelmed necessarily. Nobody has been pushing uh, the the urge for QB4 like David Haw and the right. Take the North podcast. So, right. yes, you did have a, a Division II quarterback throwing passes at a camp because they needed a Division II uh, quarterback to throw passes at a rookie camp. I don't know how long Tyson Badgett's stay is going to be in Lake Forest. Um, we'll see a lot more when he's throwing against professional football players and not just rookie minicamp tryout players uh, a week from now, if he's given that opportunity and we'll, we'll see how long it goes on that end. But look, there's, there's always intriguing stories and it's so hard because a lot of these guys, as you mentioned, aren't here for very long, you know, 62 of them uh, were here over the weekend. You know, some of them are, are, are draft picks that are obviously going to be a part of this team. Uh, they signed three guys on, on Monday uh, to, to, to contracts. And, and so, um, you know, you, you try to make the most of your window opportunity and see where it goes. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't start putting any sort of uh, watch on, on Justin Fields' job security just yet based I'm on not, what Tyson Bajan did. I'm <laughs> not. I'm just appreciating the success <laughs> level because this guy's now got a yeah. story for the rest of his life. You yeah. know, he yeah. Was, in a Bears uniform, whatever that means, he was at an NFL camp. Maybe you know, he'll make it a years. training camp, and and yeah. and, we'll, and he'll have more of a story, right? And those those are the fun ones, right? When they're here for a few months, and now you get to to draw it out as long as possible. So the among the news on on Monday was that the Bears did sign a couple of the undrafted free agents. One was the defensive pass rusher from Houston. Uh, was it uh, DeAnthony Thomas? Is that uh, See, this is how this is where we're at right now in the offseason because I don't even have the name in front of me. I'm going to pull it up as we talk. I, I'm um, going to figure, but, but I just wonder guys like that are the kinds of finds that exist on these kinds of weekends, and you can find you know late round projects. Anthony Jones, Anthony Jones, and then they signed an offensive lineman, Josh Lug, a defensive okay. back, Braylon Trahan, and then a, a veteran tight end, uh, Steven Carlson, who, who had spent three years in the league previously, was able to be out there. Uh, and, you know, is at least going to add to that room in the in the short term in the spring. So not a whole lot of impact kind of things, but uh, fun depth pieces. And we will look back. I mean, a year ago at this time, I'm not quite sure anybody anticipated Jack Sanborn to be a guy that would be right. a, a midseason sensation and have a nice little run there as he did. And now he's uh, in a position to go into training camp as as a starter. He'll be challenged. Noah Sewell will be somebody, I think, that gives him a run for his playing time. Uh, in the base defense, but these are the kinds of stories that when you are a three and 14 football team, you've got room on that depth chart and you've got opportunity galore. Yeah. I do think that this coaching staff is uh, really eager to see competition heighten in 2023. And they feel like in, in several rooms, they've got an opportunity to make guys that are worthy fight for their roles. And that's when, uh, uh, you know, a bad football team gets better and when a better football team gets good and then eventually a good football team becomes a championship contender. When you have that level of depth and competition where every day has that urgency and that edge to it and that fight to it. And so it's going to be interesting to watch that play out uh, in the weeks to come. Again, like OTAs are just around the corner here. And I know the Bears are going to have a lot of time to kind of figure out what pieces fit where. But that competition level, I think, will be notable early and it will be early uh, notable often. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're going to get to some of the comments by Luke Getze that I thought was very interesting. The first time we've heard from Luke in a long time. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of the other assistants who, who spoke and, and sp- uh, specifically kind of uh, what they said. Uh, Richard Hightower, the special teams coordinator, I felt like said some interesting things as it pertained to Valus Jones and competition. He also talked about how the value you mentioned, Tyler Scott and also Roshan Johnson. These are young men who are going to maybe have roles in the offense, but I think that he sounded excited about their potential contributions on the special teams. That's why they were drafted, because they had shown uh, a willingness and an ability to contribute in the kicking game. And that's not something that you overlook, especially when you're talking about rookies. The work is usually heaviest for a special teams coordinator when you have this level of roster turnover because you're mixing and matching so many new new pieces. You have to figure out what your offense coordinator wants to protect in his room, what your defense coordinator wants to protect in his room, and you've got to find guys that can be there for you. Roshan Johnson, we talked about, has gotten every uh, superlative of praise and adjective that can be thrown at him in his first two weeks as a Chicago Bear. Richard Hightower uh, was one uh, another one to add to the list of testimonials over the weekend, uh, you know, saying, look, like you watch the Texas film and you watch this guy cover kickoffs and he plays violent. And so there's an excitement that you've got a running back that can go down and, and tackle some people on special teams willingly and, and aggressively. And so you've got that piece of the puzzle. Roshan Johnson played four phases in college. It's no, uh, you know, mystery to him what special teams is about and he's willing to do it and should make an impact there. Um, quickly and for as long as he's needed until he maybe potentially climbs the ladder in the running backs room. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, and then, you, you know, like again with Richard and, and the pieces he's got to put together on special teams, you just have to find who your leaders are and who those guys are that can be tone setters. DeAndre Houston Carson was here for a long time. He was kind of the guy after Sherrick McManus who wore that special teams, uh, you know, crown as, as the guy that you look to every week to give that unit a, a jolt. He's still on the street. So you have to find a replacement there and somebody that can, can jump in and be that guy for you. Could he be that guy? Could they bring him back? It, it, it's possible. You know, I, I don't know at this point w- right. why he's still available because you think a guy like that who has been um, so team first, so selfless, so capable of handling roles that you want as a depth piece hasn't found a, a home either here or elsewhere yet. But we've seen others, examples of guys around the league, veterans still unsigned that might have overestimated their value in free agency and maybe are just waiting for the dust to settle in some of these depth charts and roster spots as teams kind of fill in rookies wherever they can. Maybe DHC ends up back in Chicago where he has been, you know, a very quiet but steady contributor. 
No question. Yeah. And so that, you know, look, this roster is going to be fluid. Rich Campbell used to call it roster mechanics and they're going to happen weekly, you know, from now through pretty much Labor Day. Guys in the door, guys out the door, guys out the door who come back in, new guys who come in, old guys who get sent out. It's going to be like this. This churn is going to be ongoing for a while and we'll obviously keep tabs on it. Did Richard Hightower leave the door open for Velas Jones to be challenged as the primary return person? Do you think that's... Oh, the, the, yeah, the door is open. Okay. I, I mean, Yeah, I mean, there's going to be challengers for everything right now. And I think that's kind of one of the key messages from all the coaches up there. Uh, you, you know, you even heard it in Darnell Wright's voice on Friday where, you know, he said something to the effect of like, yeah, I got drafted. Well, now I got to fight during a roster spot. And I want to raise my hand and say, Darnell, like, you could probably take a deep breath here. I'm pretty sure you're going to be on the week one roster in September. Really no worries there. But there are a lot of guys that have to understand that there's nothing uh, guaranteed and that nothing is safe and no role is uh, there for them. And so that's going to be part of this offseason for sure. Along the lines of what roles different players will play, I thought it was interesting to hear Alan Williams ask the question about how important the three-technique defensive tackle is in this scheme, and we've talked about it all offseason long. And then he corrected the questioner and, and basically interjected that, hey, hey, we have a three-technique tackle in this defense, and Justin Jones is that guy, and they're going to rely on waves of defensive linemen coming in like the great – not good, he corrected himself there too – great defenses do, which I think was his way of answering the question. Number one, they feel good about Justin Jones. And secondly, it doesn't really matter where Jerron Dexter and Zach Pickens fit in specifically. They're going to be part of a, of, of a movement, a collect, a committee, if you will, of defensive linemen. They're going to try to, you know, stop the run and rush the quarterback. Well, it's notable that you said that because I don't know that I have heard Justin Jones's name mentioned since February. Right. And even I had to sit up straight in my chair and go, Oh, that's right. Right. Like he's still number one on the depth chart right. at three tech. And even though they took two hybrid defensive tackles on day two of the draft and a third late in the, the draft in round seven, you've still got a guy here who was kind of the plan B when the Larry Ogunjobi signing fell through, who came in and played pretty well. It goes underappreciated because the defense fell apart dramatically in the final 10 games of last season, allowed, I think, 33.1 points per game in their 10-game losing streak to end the year. We're giving up more than 400 yards per game during that stretch. And it was just a gross display of Bears defense. Well, now you've got to get that improved, and some of that's going to start with the guys who are already in-house. Justin Jones is one of those guys. And so when we get back to uh, – OTAs next week, you, you say, okay, you're not the forgotten man anymore. You know, you're the guy taking the first team reps and now it's your turn to, uh, to take advantage of the, the, the window of opportunity that's there for you. Um, there is, you know, there's just a puzzle here that needs to be put together. And Alan Williams will do it on offense or on defense. Luke Getzi will do it on offense. Matty Rufus will oversee everything. And hopefully by the time we get to September, we have a better sense of what this team's identity is supposed to be. So we did hear from the great Getzi, Luke Getzi, first time in a while that he has been behind the microphone. Certainly the first time since uh, the Bears drafted the presumed, the presumed starter at right tackle in Darnell Wright. And Dan, uh, I'll let you set up the question because of the way that it was asked and answered by Luke Getzi about the role that Darnell Wright will play in this offense. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, you know, Luke's first extensive experience with Darnell Wright came in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. And he's coaching the American team down there. And he gets an opportunity for a week to work with that team and Darnell Wright being part of that process gave uh, Luke an opportunity to 
to see what this looked like up close. The scouting staff is obviously taking care of all the scouting reports initially, and Ryan Poles in the front office and the talent evaluation team is doing their own gathering. But Luke sees a, a, a guy who who looks the part, you know, and works with a guy who says, okay, there's there's some things there. And I wouldn't say that that was the pivot point in in convincing the Bears to draft Darnell Wright, but it certainly was part of their process. And so we had a chance to kind of ask Luke about what he sees uh, in Darnell Wright in his skill set. And here was some of that exchange. I just think it's it's unique for someone that big to be able to bend and be that athletic and as, as explosive as he is. I think that's just um, it's hard to come around guys that are that big, that long. Like the length is unbelievable, and the power is unbelievable. And then be able to have that athleticism go with it too was was all really cool. You've got two tackles that can really move in space now. What does that do for you as an offensive coordinator when guys on either edge really do like that? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's kind of the. The history of uh, you know of of what I've been around in this league. I mean, having athletic offensive linemen is really valuable to what we want to do and what we want to accomplish. So, I think as many of those types of guys that we can get is going to make us better for sure and getting to do what we want to do. So, athletic offensive linemen, Dan. There was a day when that was when that was an oxymoron, but I don't <laughs> think we're in those days any longer because you've got to be able to move. Uh, let's face it. You go back to free agency and. Uh, some of us kept beating the drum for Orlando Brown Jr. And it was always kind of the undercurrent. Well, he's not a good scheme fit here because of some of the things that stylistically, and he may not have been that kind of guy, fluid as an athlete. And so I think sounds like Darnell Wright and Braxton Jones give them the prototype of the kind of tackles they're looking for in this scheme to make it work. So now they just got to stay healthy because it's a nice problem to have. I always liken it to, you look at like we're in the, the Cubs are in our midst, right? And you're talking about developing young pitching and drafting, developing guys who will be in your rotation for a while. Offensive tackles are kind of the same mentality. You love the idea and the possibility of having Braxton Jones on the left side and uh, Darnell Wright on the right side. They're not perfect. They're going to be flawed. But boy, if they could develop on the same uh, pay, pace, that's going to be great for the Chicago Bears. See, you've used the word three times, which is the operative word in this whole discussion, and it's develop. You know, those guys both have to develop. They have to stay healthy, and then they have to develop. Braxton Jones, and I've had these conversations with people inside the building there, was considered a success in 2022, largely because he was a fifth-round pick out of Southern Utah. In 2023, he's a veteran offensive tackle starting and protecting Justin Fields' blind spot. So the, the entire... Um, grading scale is changed. The curve is different now. You're going to be evaluated differently. And so now you have to perform as a veteran starting left tackle in this league and figure out if you can be a standout at that position. Because if you can't, then they've got to turn in a different direction and figure out which way it goes. Darnell Wright looks like a guy that has all the skills and all the intangibles to be a, a guy that you can build with for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Well, one of the questions, I wouldn't call it a concern, but questions that teams had about Darnell Wright through the pre-draft process was, does this guy have the wiring to give you everything he has all the time? The Bears put that to the test in the now well-documented private workout in Knoxville on April 8th last month. Well, you passed that test for one day in Tennessee on your home campus. Now can you pass it for six years? you know, every single day in that building. And so that's part of his development is, is figuring out whether that that beast that he showed throughout that entire day, that no quit determined, you know, monster is going to be there every single day to help 
propel this offense to heights that it hasn't seen in a long time. When is that documentary on Hulu anyway? The documentary <laughs> that worked out. Yeah, it should be, I think, probably by Halloween. Okay, that's good to know. All right, so uh, Luke Getze also, this is the first time that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I think the first time we've got to hear what he thought about the trade uh, that brought DJ Moore back in return, and he was uh, excited <laughs> to talk about what DJ Moore means to Justin Fields and also the play caller. Yeah, you'll hear a couple questions here for Luke. Notably to me, Luke didn't really remember where he was when he learned of the DJ Moore trade. I know where I was. I think you know where you were. Luke, it kind of slipped his memory, but he knows that they've gotten a tier one receiver here to um, catalyze this offense, in particular the passing attack, and help Justin Fields have a guy that he can count on in big moments to go get the football. You know, go get us a first down, go get us in the end zone, go turn this three into seven. Let's see what we can do. Uh, here was the string of questions we asked Luke about DJ Moore. Quarterback receiver relationship. We've talked about this in here is so important, right? I mean, I think that, you know, as, as great of a quarterback it can be or as great of a receiver can be, if there's not a relationship and a connection between the two of them, then it doesn't really matter. And so I think they're, they're in that phase right now of getting to know each other. What's cool is DJ's experiences uh, that he's had. He's had to play with a few different quarterbacks and a few different systems. Uh, so you can tell that, the, the, you know, he doesn't really get phased by the new, which is going to be really good. And then once those two can communicate with one another, you know, body language, uh, you know, quick communication verbally and stuff. I think all that will get better as we get going. And it's been fun to see those guys throw some routes on air as we, you know, we're in this phase two part of it. Where were you when you got word of that addition? Of, of DJ? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Probably somewhere with one of my kids, somewhere doing something, but I'm not sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. I've uh, had a lot of I have a lot of friends that have coached in Carolina, and immediately when it happened, they all called and just talked about the kind of man that we're getting on this football team more than anything. So we're really, really, really excited about that. How do you not remember <laughs> the moment in your offseason your career changed? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was just a brain fart. Maybe we can probe him later on and get more specifics on that. But that was uh, that was an interesting moment. He's obviously very excited to have DJ in that in that receiver's room and to really up the the level of competition for the guys below him. You know, I think there's an expectation inside Hallis Hall that at the minimum, Darnell Mooney will be ready for training camp. All uh, buzz that I've heard is pointing to the direction that Darnell will be ready to go when they put the uh, the you know the, the helmets and uniforms on for the first training camp practice. Conceivably, he could be ready before the the, the, the veteran minicamp is over. We're just going to have to keep eyes on this over the next month to see where he is. You know, is he off to the side doing anything? Can we see with our own eyes how he looks jogging around, moving around? Um, you know me with injuries. It's like I need to to see things rather than hear things about a player that's suffered a significant injury. Darnell certainly in that, in that case. DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown, Bayless Jones, Dante Tyler Pettis, Scott. Tyler Scott. There's seven receivers in that room. Am I missing anybody? That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, crowded room, but it's also one that has more depth than they have had. Yeah, since this regime arrived, certainly. Right. And it's, I mean, it's easy to get um, sort of hung up and be like, oh, well, there's, there's seven names that we know here. And so that means they're, they've got a better receiving core. Well, there's a lot of question marks 
on a lot of those names. Chase Claypool, yep. a lot of question marks. Velas Jones, a lot of question marks. I think we've documented that Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis are here until they're not. Uh, so now it's like, what, what are the questions that these other guys can answer? I think DJ Moore's question that he has to answer is how quickly can he get up to speed with Justin Fields? You feel confident about that because of the number of different quarterbacks he had to play with in Carolina and how his production was fairly consistent over the entirety of his time there uh, because he was able to adapt and adjust. But, you know, a lot of these guys have a, a lot to prove here. I think the Bears put their arms around that and say, good, you know, now go prove it. And the guys who don't prove it will be kicked to the side and we'll go with the guys who did prove something. Same logic applies in the backfield where at running back, you have Khalil Herbert, you've got uh, Dante Foreman, you've got uh, Travis Homer, and you've got the rookie Roshan Johnson, all guys who will be in the mix for carries, right? You've got four guys that we don't quite know exactly how they're going to be used. But we do know that Khalil Herbert will get the first carry in the first team practice. Yeah. That's, that's that's what Luke Getze had to say. What else did he have to say, Dan, in terms of the running back usage? Well, yeah, and David Walker, the running backs coach, said that the only thing I can tell you is that Khalil Herbert will get the first rep of the first team drill the next time we practice, and after that, all bets are off, which means that it's an open competition. Khalil Herbert led the NFL last year in yards per rush attempt for, for running backs that had over 80 attempts. You know, pretty good season for Khalil Herbert. And now he's being pushed by a guy in Deontay Foreman, who after Christian McCaffrey was traded to San Francisco, had his breakthrough and had his big surge forward as an NFL running back. And now he's being challenged by Roshan Johnson, who has been labeled a pillar of the organization in his first two weeks as a bear. And Travis Homer, who was kind of a you know second wave free agent signing to, to be a, a special teams piece and a, and a guy who can come in when needed, he's going to have to fight for a job. By the way, you got Kari Blazengame, who's a fullback, who's probably going to eat up a roster spot for you if, if that's something you want to do with your offense. So now you've got a lot of mouths trying to eat, you know, and, and now they're going to have to try to do this in a, in a healthy competition uh, through May, through June, through July, through August. And then when we get to September, we got to know who's doing what and what's expected of them. Let me just say, I, I respect the fact that you never forget to remember the fullback. And and I know that you just, keep just, on bringing him up. That's just, be, just because it's a numbers game, right? Like, And, and, and that's a right. number. If, if you're going to dedicate a roster spot to a long snapper and you're going to dedicate it, you know, it's just one less, one less spot that you have available. And so it just heightens the urgency for these other guys to – to show what they're made of so that they can they can figure in and, and have a seat in that classroom uh, when the regular season begins. Let's hear from Luke Getzey about what he had to say about the seats, uh, people filling the seats in that classroom. I would say the vision isn't necessarily set yet, but uh, I think it's a really cool, uh, unique opportunity with, guy, with a lot of guys that have a lot of experience. I think uh, the competition, that room is going to be real. And so we're going to get to see um, – you know, the best come out of each one of those guys. And it's, it's super important for that position to have multiple guys that can do it, right? I mean, any there's not I don't know if there's any team that can rely on one guy anymore with the pounding and the length of the season and all that stuff. So I think it's awesome that we have as many guys as we do that we can we feel like we can count on. That's depth that they're proud of. And, Dan, I think that it's going to be an interesting uh, to see how it unfolds because of how high they are on Roshan Johnson and just how much he looks the part. And I don't know, I guess this is the maybe uh, kind of thing you say in early May. I don't know how Khalil Herbert fits because I don't know what they think of him. I, I don't know if he can stay healthy and I don't know what they think of him if he does stay healthy, because let's face it, he was here when they arrived and he's not one of their guys. Unlike Deontay Foreman, who they went out and signed and Roshan Johnson, who they went out and drafted. 
Yeah, and he was a sixth round pick, you know, uh, out of Virginia Tech by way of Kansas, and 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 not a guy that came into the league with a lot of hype and hullabaloo surrounding him. And and he, he's had a nice couple years to start his career, um, but now you're going to be challenged to have a nicer year, you know, and 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 to show that you deserve to be a, a a lead dog on a team that's trying to chase bigger goals than the Bears have been chasing the last couple of years. And so, um, look, this will all play out. And I think that there's a confidence within the coaching staff that, you know, this is a, a, a foxyism from back in the day that, oh, we don't make those decisions. Those guys make those decisions. That that these guys will put it on video with their practice habits, with the way they, they work, with the way they produce in the preseason. And then by the time it comes time to make a decision, you know, Labor Day weekend, they'll have uh, plenty of intel to feel confident that their decision is the right one. This whole pod was worth it just for that invitation of John Fox. I'll do it every week if I have to. I know, you deliver every <laughs> single time. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, last thing about Getzy, because it's not something that we have audio of, but I want to get your impressions of. You know that the conversation was going to be steered toward maybe begin with what's the latest with Justin Fields. First of all, a hearty congratulations to Justin Fields, who graduated from The Ohio State University on Sunday. Kevin Warren was there. It was a terrific accomplishment and says a lot about the young man's character, in my mind, that he was able to kind of continue the path and finished the job that he started in Columbus after transferring from Georgia. Good for Justin Fields. He doesn't need a degree necessarily, but he's got one. Who knows what's going to be in his future, but he's equipped now. So I give him a lot of credit for doing that. I uh, zoomed in on the degree in the picture that was on social media. It was a Bachelor of Science in Human Ecology. As long as that was not a deep fake picture, that's that was what the diploma from The Ohio State University read. <laughs> So Justin's got his BS in uh, human ecology, and now it's time to get his master's in passing, right? Bingo! I was waiting for the I was waiting for the tweet from Dan Weiderer saying, "Now the rest of his education can continue in Chicago, and it's an um, important part of his education." Now it's the it one is. that's going to make him and his family uh, exactly. money. <laughs> it's it's the reason. Yeah, the ne- the rest of the education will make that diploma moot, right? It won't be a, a factor. But I think that really says a lot about his discipline and and being able to do that. Ohio State does a nice job of keeping those players on track. But back to Getze. Wait, before you move on, I just want to say All that right. Justin looked a lot fresher in his graduation day photos than I did back in 1998. I was so hungover on graduation day. Uh, and the line at the water fountain outside the uh, College of Communications graduation uh, ceremony was was like 35 people deep because everyone just needed to get a little water in before that ceremony started. Oh, my God. Was that down in Champaign, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Having yeah. flashbacks as we talk about it. <laughs> well, I also think that uh, when, when you talk about um, 
when you talk about his his degree in in what was it again? What what did he get his degree? Bachelor of Science in Human Ecology. Wow. So what would you do with that if you weren't playing football? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's anything within there that um, allows your feet to have better rhythm and timing, because those were the buzzwords that were being spoken again this weekend by Matt Eberflus, by Andrew Janoco. Um, that seems to be what the Bears are pressing uh, in terms of the, the ability to get this passing game unlocked is, is creating rhythm and timing right now. To this point in the offseason, all they're doing is throwing routes on air. So you can say he's got better rhythm and timing. How do you know? There's nobody There's nobody blocking. There's no one rushing you. There's no defense playing. Pretty soon we'll get more and more of those opportunities to look I, at that. But, man, they, they've, got to, they've, got to, they've got to get this solved. I'm just shocked that Justin Fields was embarking on this educational path, completing papers, and nobody in Chicago sports radio was raving about the quality of his thesis papers. I, you should have read it. I know. I imagine imagine how how great they were and the gr- tremendous vocabulary and everything that, that would have been overstated. But congratulations to Justin Fields. Luke Getzey said that Justin Fields is light years ahead of where he was a year ago. Dan, I I, I want to know this because I said this on the morning show at Mullion Hall. I didn't have it in front of me. Hasn't Luke Getzey used that measurement before? Hasn't he used light years as a way of telling you how much Justin Fields has improved? Just to give you the proper context of that, I believe the, 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 the sort of frame that he put around that was in terms of what the coaching staff sees in him and in, even in terms of what the, the media and the outside world sees in him, he's light years ahead of where he was at this time last year. So Luke was, was answering a question directly about why the Bears did not pivot this offseason to take one of those class of 2023 quarterbacks, which they had the opportunity to do. He said he did his due diligence as he would every year in in assessing the quarterbacks. Obviously that decision is way above his pay grade. Um, And so it was kind of a, 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 another voice in saying the reason that we stayed down this path is because we saw things in Justin's development. We saw things in the, in the direction the arrow is pointing, which is in their opinion, light years ahead of where it was in May of 2022. And so they want to see it through as we've talked about before um, now it's a matter again of, of, of putting all this to the test in what is, uh, you know, you agree with me on this. I'm pretty sure that, that, that we're going to know when this regular season ends on January 7th, you know, what direction the bears should go with their quarterback position. It shouldn't be a lot of gray area, you know, eight, nine months from now. I'm still caught up on the light years thing. Dan. I can't get past <laughs> that. I just think it's an odd measurement to use in terms of measuring where a quarterback is and how much he's improved. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll get we'll, past that though. We'll we'll, we'll, pre- we'll press him further on that, and 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 listen. I mean, like, was he Luke's... was he an astro- was he an, uh, an astronomy <laughs> major? Uh, where, uh, where did Luke Getzey go? Akron or and Pitt? Didn't he go to both? Did, was he a, a transfer? I need to know to get, more about his education. Yeah, Studs is going to have to get on the wiki page when he gets I'm a sorry. chance and get get, get us get us the resume. Look, like Luke is going to be asked. Probably no fewer than 743 questions about Justin before the yes. next time that they play a meaningful game. And so there's going to be a lot of answers. And there's going to be a lot of interpretation of those answers. This was a small little nugget from May. And uh, we'll get and, you past and, it by and, June. And the next time he mentions light years, just think of me. Okay, last thing. Last thing. We need to, I think, clarify things for some people out there who might be a little confused by some broadcast reports in Chicago that were not accurate. And Peter King doubled down on that idea. Uh, football morning in Chicago, uh, football morning in America, the Bears are not expected to be playing in Germany contrary to broadcast reports. Correct, Dan? Is my understanding 
that when the schedule is released, presumably later this this week, which is now seems like it might be in a little bit of question because the league's still trying to finalize some things, that the Chiefs would either be uh, hosting their game in Frankfurt against either the Lions or the Dolphins. It would come as a shock to everyone inside the building uh, at Hallis Hall if the Bears were the team that was invited to play in Germany. You mentioned the Peter King nugget from, from Monday morning that, that said that the Chiefs specifically requested to not have the Bears game be the one that's played over there. And you could understand why they would make that request because Bears fans travel and that city is going to be packed with people uh, from Chicago and all over the country cheering on the Bears and spending money in Kansas City. And so um, certainly there's a, a probably a, a matter of civic pride that comes into that. But yeah, it's my understanding that, that uh, if we get some sort of announcement that the Bears are going to Germany and I've got to make sure that my passport is uh renewed and up to date that uh everyone in the bears organization would be scrambling as much as i would be and maybe as much as you would be as well all three of your passports <laughs> why why three your aliases <laughs> you gotta keep a low profile around chicago sometime during the season uh also adam uh, adam sadinsky our ace reporter points out that luke gets started at pit and transferred to akron so i did have those things down and as a quarterback he was light years ahead of where he was at pittsburgh when he played for the zips <laughs> so that's good to know all right so no germany trip anything uh, else that's going to happen this week before the big schedule reveal which is scheduled for thursday night well i'll throw this out here for you because you weren't here last week when herb howard and i talked about it but the bears have been pushing towards crossover practices this this year and that their preference is to do them on the road they only have one road trip on the schedule this August. And it's my understanding that, that the wheels are in motion for a uh, five day business trip to Indianapolis, the great city of a uh, friend of the podcast, Rich Campbell, home of the scouting combine, the Indianapolis Colts also play in practice there. And so Matt Eberflus would have a chance to go back to his old building. Same with Dave Borgonsky and Alan Williams. Uh, Ryan Poles would have a chance to, to, to reunite with, with Chris Ballard after their days together in the chiefs front office, there'd be a lot of reasons that this thing would make sense. Uh, it seems to be the way it's pointing. There would be three days of practices, you know, then you have your off day, then you have your, uh, your game, your preseason game in which most of the starters and, wouldn't play. <laughs> and you've got two front offices that are very friendly with each other. Besides the connections that you mentioned, Chris Ballard, Ryan Poles worked together in Kansas city, Chris Ballard, former bears scout, the guy credited with discovering and finding Tommy Harris, not that hard to find him, but I think that he was the scout, uh, on the scene at that point in time, pounding the table for him. He's done a nice job and Indies needs to win this season may make some interesting decisions. Dan, this is a total aside, but speaking of the Colts, did you see Jim Mercer's um, uh, tweet about reminding people about stay away from Andrew Luck because anybody talking to Andrew Luck, the quarterback about coming out of retirement, you're tampering. tampering. Yeah, that was, there was a, a report from ESPN that uh, the commanders were casting such a wide net last year that they had uh, that they had at least asked some people some questions about the potential availability of Andrew Luck, and so that set off Jimmy Ursay. He got on Twitter uh, like he's prone to do, and uh, probably David after that was over, he sent that tweet, went home, and wrote his uh, his live bear that he has in, in the basement <laughs> in, in the basement of his home down there. In exactly. Maybe I get to see that yeah. a five day business trip to India in August. I mean, what what would be better that would than be going to trip? <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to that one. That's just that, that's that's pretty much anytime I can get to Indianapolis, you know, I would love to do that i'm looking forward to it maybe we could do a, a take show. the north podcast from indianapolis why wouldn't we be able to we're gonna do that can, we're can gonna we do that can we get to like harry and izzy's and like rent out some space and then get uh 
Get fed yes. while we do it. I awesome. think uh, maybe get a sponsor on the deal. I'm By so way, confident that 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 business trip's going to come together that over the weekend I actually booked a hotel room uh, for that business trip. So that that's, tells you what. <laughs> that's a veteran move. I'll tell you that is. Um, by the way, if you're a team, the Washington Commanders, I could see maybe interest, being interested in Andrew Luck, but my mind went to San Francisco. Goodness sakes, Andrew Luck going back to the Bay Area to save that team and lead them to a Super Bowl, that would be phenomenal. I was in Indianapolis the night that Andrew Luck's retirement leaked out. He was kind of forced to announce it, you know, a day or two before he wanted to. The sense coming out of that weekend was that Andrew Luck needed a lot, a lot of distance from professional football and the physical and mental demands that that puts on a human being. And I don't get the sense uh, that he's itching to get back in. I think it was more the sake of the, 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 the commanders being desperate in so many different ways to do what the Bears have been trying to do forever as well and find somebody that can play quarterback for them for a long time, <laughs> you know. Um, and so that, that, that'll be interesting to see how they do. They're on the schedule for the Bears this year. So when the schedule release comes out this week, we'll have a trip to Washington. Great to, segue uh, because we will be predicting each game on the schedule because it's not who you play, as we know. It's when you play them. And Thursday night, we will be on, uh, on here making our predictions. We'll release them and drop this on Friday morning uh, on the Take the North podcast so you can have our predictions and keep them and tell us how eh, – Smarter, dumb we are, depending on the outcome next fall. It's a fun schedule. I mean, it really is. There's some good road trips on there. There's some good visits from uh, rookies like Bryce Young and Bijan Robinson. You've got, uh, I think, three new head coaches on the on the docket this year. Uh, I think it the, the Bears only have five games against teams that played in the playoffs last year. So that is the the benefit of the last play schedule. I do uh, follow that up by saying all 17 games are against opponents that had better records than they did last year <laughs> because all 31 teams had See, more victories. That's kind of a mean, that's mean spirited right there at the end. That's a shot. It's that's, just, a shot. Th that's just my reminder because there's always the exercise where people go through and go winnable game and they circle right. all the winnable games and write them down as wins. And you say, well, all those other teams are pointing at you and going winnable game. Worst team guarantee the you the bears game is circled on every opponent's schedule. So everybody doing a podcast in every city, not in Chicago is saying that bears game is a victory. Right. Right. Okay. So we'll predict those on uh, Thursday night. If the, if the schedule is released as it has been rumored to be, and hopefully uh, we'll have a clearer picture of, of where we go as a reporter, the first things you're looking for, are which, which holidays in my personal life do I have to yeah. explain away to my family members, right. <laughs> you know, seven or eight months in advance. So I don't get in trouble when they start when they planning get now the yeah. excuse train. Yeah, I, I know. I've been, been there many times. Also the bears aren't expected to be uh, playing in Germany just to reinforce that. So take that. And um, we will uh, talk about it when it comes out. Nothing else to anything else I'm forgetting, Dan. I think we got to it all. Yeah, no, it's a it, it's a good week. It's a good week for uh, for getting some more clarity on what that schedule looks like. And I can't wait to see it uh, date by date. Da David, the, the, the biggest twist on the schedule this year is the addition of the Black Friday Amazon game this year on the afternoon after Thanksgiving, I actually kind of am, am intrigued by it. I think I, I, I think I'd be up for that. I doubt they'd put the bears in that slot. I think it's a uh, 2 PM game on the Friday after Thanksgiving, but that, that could be fun. Fridays for high school football. The NFL <laughs> owns every other day. That's the day of the Indiana high school state football finals. I don't know if they, I don't think they played the Illinois ones until Saturday, but Friday, I know it's black Friday. Do you really have to own every single day? Roger Goodell. It's okay. 
we'll enjoy it, but still, that's my first reaction. I'm sure you could carve out a couple hours to watch some NFL football on Black Friday. I think you're probably right. Okay, that's all we got for this episode of the Take the North Podcast. I'm your free Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us, too, on the 670 Sports YouTube page, and we will be back dropping this one early in the week on Tuesday morning, and we will drop our schedule predictions on Friday morning, so we're going to get back into a little bit of a rhythm here as the offseason progresses. Thank you for listening. I'm David Hoff, Dan Weeder, and Adam Szczynski. Thanks for uh, tuning in here to the Take the North Podcast. Great talk. See you out there.